Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. So God, you are good all the time, and all the time you are good. And we've experienced your goodness to us, both in good and bad times, in scarcity and abundance. Uh, we can lean on the fact that you are good and that you have been faithful all the while. This morning, Lord, as we open your word again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would translate for us, would speak to our lives, would give us a word that we can take into the week to live out in your world. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I often come to the table, right? Because uh, table is central in my life, central in your life. We probably are at these tables at least two times a day, some of us three times a day. When you're hungry, you come to the table. Now, the table doesn't always look like this. I mean, it might be your counter, it might be some other table, it might be a restaurant table, but it's still a table that you go to. And when you actually put on a meal for someone and set a table, it's kind of a sign of respect, kind of a sign that you care about them, that you're preparing a meal for them. You know, my wife grew up in a house where presentation was just as important as the meal itself. So she was already making fun of my table that I tried to set here for us today. Um, and you know, when I brought, I remember I went to her house the first time and brought a mustard bottle onto the table and set it on the table and I was like, ah, you don't put mustard bottles on the table. You put mustard in a cup or whatever, right? So now the tables that we sit at are usually look a lot like this. Lots of dishes, lots of silverware for various courses, lots of cups, lots of options, lots of food. True? Look at the picture of uh, our last Thanksgiving. That's my youngest son, Joseph. That's his plate. That's his first helping. You can see here, we have a few other shots. Here's my two daughters. They can eat like men. Look at these two girls, right? This is how our plates look all the time. We, we have abundance. We live in the land of plenty, the land of abundance, right? When we get hungry, we go find food and we eat. Just how it works. Now, in the United States... Just a little statistic for you. Last year, we spent $50 billion taking calories off of our bodies. $50 billion losing weight. I'll let that sink in. You can think about that. Now, in a large part of our world, the tables don't look like this. For one to two billion people, it's estimated tables look different. In fact, Feed My Starving Children gave us these bowls and let us know that most these people that live in the one-third of the world like this, their meals look like this. This is what they eat in a day. Whatever can fit in this bowl. This is a daily meal for them. The one meal they get for the day in those parts of the world. Now, I'm going to tell you, as I prepared for this message and this idea of being hungry, I realized I don't think I have any clue what that's like. I've never been hungry for more than like 12 hours. And that was because I chose to be hungry for 12 hours. Because maybe I fasted or I just was too busy to eat or I don't know. But I never really like have been hungry because I couldn't find food. I've never been so hungry that I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. I've never been so hungry that I wondered if I could feed my kids. In those parts of the world, while we spend $50 billion to take the food off of our bodies, those people have $2 a day to sustain themselves, period. 
Now, I want you to hold the image of that table in your minds as we join Jesus on his travels in ancient Palestine. First of all, you need to understand that when Jesus showed up in ancient Israel, he was focused not usually on the people that sat at these tables, but on the people that sat at these tables. Nine in 10 people in the Roman Empire lived in small rural villages, and nine in 10 people in the Roman Empire were living on a sustenance level of, of you know, food and, and provision. They were mostly farmers, and they could usually grow enough for the year. They usually had enough for the day, and if the crops didn't go well or the crops didn't grow well, they wouldn't eat. Only 10 to 15% of the population lived in this place. They were considered to be the aristocratic, the, the higher ups. The rest were considered outcasts and unclean or expendable or peasants. And when Jesus came on the scene, the people he met were hungry on multiple levels. They were hungry for provision of food. They were hungry for healing because their lives had lots of brokenness. They were hungry for meaning and significance. They were hungry for God's shalom. That word is rich. It means fullness, meaning, abundance, peace, right? It's like God washing over you with his presence. Jesus spent his time with those people. Now, as we begin our Latin journey together, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 15, and Jesus is, before this, north of Israel. He's kind of taking his disciples on a little retreat. And then Matthew 15, verse 29, tells us this. Jesus left that retreat and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Now, if you read the rest of the Gospels, you kind of figure out this is probably on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, which is a super remote area. It's mountainous. Right on the, on the west side of the sea, all the Jewish people lived. A little further south, a lot of the Greeks lived. But the, the east side of the Sea of Galilee on this mountaintop, there was just nothing. So Jesus goes to this remote area and sits down on this mountainside. And look what happens. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. You know why? Because they had found out, they had heard that Jesus could create shalom. That Jesus had the power of God with him that actually created the shalom they were after. So I, mean, I don't know if you can picture this. He's in this remote area, miles and miles from any towns, and people are carrying their loved ones, their friends, their neighbors, the people they know who are lame, mute, crippled, blind, and dropping them at Jesus' feet on this mountain. That's like me taking my brother, you know, there would be no motorized wheelchairs, and putting him over my shoulder and, and like trudging for miles to get him to this guy who can create shalom and bring healing. And they drop him at Jesus' feet. And then Matthew throws this little line in. Look at this. And he healed them. What? So imagine this, thousands of people on a mountainside, cripples being dropped at Jesus' feet, lame people, blind people, people that are struggling with all kinds of stuff, and Jesus touches them and heals them. Can you imagine if my brother was laying there on the ground, couldn't get up because he can't even walk without his wheelchair, and all of a sudden Jesus touched his body and his legs got normal and his hands got, and he stood up and like, he was fine? Like, whoa, this is amazing. Right? That's how the story opens. Just a little thing. Matthew just, and he healed them. I love that. He just throws it in there. Now, verse 31 tells us the people were amazed. 
when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, they praised the God of Israel. Of course they did. I mean, a worship service would break out, right? Now the story continues. Look at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So Jesus is so compassionate, so tuned in, that even though he's done this amazing miracle of healing, now he's concerned about the fact that they don't have enough food to make it home. He's concerned about their physical well-being. He wants to provide for them. So what's he do? Well, his disciples answered first before they, the disciples, of course, once again, show that they're a little bit out of touch. These are the same guys that just saw Jesus a few weeks before feed 15,000 people with food. Look what they say. Where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Are you kidding me, Jesus? Now, these disciples remind me of us. Remind me of me, right? Like, when I run into needs in the world, I always think, where can I possibly get enough money to fix that? How can I possibly deal with that? How can I possibly give enough time to do that? We're just like these guys, right? Look what Jesus does. How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. And so Jesus takes the loaves, next verse, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. I don't know how he did this. Without a microphone system, he's got 12,000 people roughly gathered in front of him. That's like half the United Center. Right? All over this mountainside. And he says, sit down. They all sit down. Just imagine that. Imagine the number of people. It's unbelievable. Right? He took the seven loaves, the two fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they, they in turn to the people. And the people ate. And then it continues, the story. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. Now, this, this, these miracles, these two miracles, the healing and the feeding, Jesus was actually making a statement about who he was. Because all through the Hebrew scriptures, there's a description of who God is and who he's sending to the earth to bring shalom to the earth. So let's, I'll give you a couple examples. Look at Jeremiah 33. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. That's the land. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Okay? Look at Psalm 146. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Jesus was sent to put God's heart on display. He didn't just have the good news. He was the good news. He could create shalom. He could make meals from little lunches. He could heal people. He could bring wholeness to their lives. Jesus was the good news. And it gets even better because, you know, when I think about this miracle he did, it brings to mind a miracle in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, when the manna came from heaven every day and fell like bread on the ground and the people picked it up. And it brings to mind some other passages where all through the Bible there's these tables that are described. You know one of the most famous ones? You know this verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You prepare a table before me because you care about me and you want to be intimate with me. And notice that, that word anoint in the Hebrew, that's not anoint. It actually means to fatten and make fresh. So Jesus is making a table before you so he can fatten you with his presence, fatten you with his shalom, and freshen you up so you're satisfied. That's awesome. Right? You know, this idea of a table would even brought to mind for the Israelites the table of showbread inside the tabernacle. Little table with the 12 loaves of bread that was there to remind the people of Israel that God was their provider, that he would always be with them, that he would take care of their needs, and he wanted to have an intimate connection with them and their lives. It's a miracle. Now, this takes me back to my table. I kind of wonder this morning if Jesus was to prepare this table and he was to take that seat over there and invite me into this seat over here. Like, if I sat here, would I get it? Like, am I so full that I'm not even aware of my needs? Am I so full that I'm not even aware of my hunger? Like if I sat at this table with Jesus and Jesus wanted me to lay at his feet the things I was hungry for, the things I needed him to heal in my life, the places I needed him to feed me and to wash over me, would I even be able to say what they are? Is, is my fullness, is your fullness keeping us from even being able to state our hungers because, I don't know, there's some sort of shame in being hungry and really admitting that we're hungry? Does all this stuff that we put on our tables get in the way of this intimate connection that Jesus wants to have with us? Like, can we even like, do we know what it's like to sit here and, and look into the eyes of Jesus and receive from him provision and receive from him healing and receive from him his presence, his fullness, his shalom? You know, I wonder if people in this part of the world get it better. I mean, they know they're hungry. They can feel it in their stomachs every day. Some of them don't even know where their next meal's gonna come from. Maybe they're more dependent on God than we are. I wonder. I wonder if we know how to actually come and sit at the table that Jesus has prepared for us and seek him out and look in his eyes and seek his face and receive from him what he wants to give us. And then my wondering goes even further than this because look at this verse. John 20, 21 says here, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. So the Jesus who once prepared this table for me and sat in this chair He's going to sit in the right hand of God. And if, if this is true, this verse, he's put me, if I call myself a follower of Jesus, I am now in his chair. He's put me, his church, here. I'm the one now who sits in this chair and he's going to bring people to sit in that chair who are hungry, who are going to look in my eyes and want me to give them the provision of Jesus, 
the healing of Jesus and the presence of Jesus in their lives. You know what's crazy? I'm not sure how many Christians know how to, have ever sat in this chair. Followers of Jesus. So we had a meeting last week at the York Community Resource Center, which is where we're doing the tutoring and the, we're teaching Christian education. And the COO of the Outreach Community Ministries was there with us. She's been doing this for 23 years. She sat in our conference room back here and heard the reports of what's going on in the center because of only 12 volunteers so far going there. And she literally was emotional and she said, I've never seen a church engage like this. I've never seen a church step up and really engage with their resources and their time, their energy. I've never seen this. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? We're the church of Jesus. We've been put in this chair to feed the hungry in the world, to meet the needs of the hungry, to wash over them, to meet them wherever they are. And this woman has never seen the church of Jesus step up. I mean, we've only got started. We got 12 people going there. That's nothing. We're just barely out the door. And then the coolest thing happened this week at York Community Resource Center during the Christian education time. Um, there's, a, there's been a kid coming, fourth grader. Actually, we have, we have uh, 75% of the students coming now voluntarily to receive Christian education at this center. They've, they and their parents have decided they want to do this. So this young man sitting there, this fourth grade boy, he's kind of shy. He raises his hand kind of like this. He's not sure he wants to have his question, he have, be called on. And so he raises his hand. And usually when the teacher calls him, he says, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll ask it next time. So then they were talking in this group about what happens to people that don't know God, don't know Jesus. And the teacher graciously and gently answered as best possible and most loving and kind way possible. This boy's hand went up. He said, yeah, my question is, do you have a, do you have a Bible that's in Spanish that you could give me to take home? Yeah, yeah, we'll get that for you. We have some Spanish Bibles here. We'll, we'll give you one of those. Why do you want that Bible? Because I want my dad to read the Bible. And he came back two weeks later and told the teacher, my dad's reading the Bible in Spanish. That kid sat in the seat of Jesus for his dad. He recognized his dad was hungry and he wanted to give him something to eat. This is who we're supposed to be right here. This is us. So we get a chance. Have you ever sat in this seat? It's amazing. Because guess what? When you're in this seat and you try to meet the needs of hungry people, the Lord's power gets released. You see what happened on that mountain? The disciples bring them their meager little lunch and Jesus multiplies that with his power. So we don't have to bring all the stuff, or all the noise. We just can bring whatever we have and Jesus will multiply it. It'll be amazing. But we have to first willingly sit in the seat and say, I'm in. I want to be Jesus to somebody in the world who needs to be fed. Whether it's physical food or spiritual food or whatever it is. Man, I hope, you'll get, I hope you get in this seat. If you, if you don't know how to get in this seat, come see me. I'll help you. Super, super easy. It's just opening your eyes and asking the Lord where he's at work and why he wants you to join him. Now I want to take you back to this passage in Matthew 15. Check this out. Do you recognize this language? Then he took the seven loaves and the two fish and when he had given thanks, 
You know what that word in Greek is? That's Eucharista. That's this table. The Eucharista. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples and they distributed it to everybody else. Today, we get a chance to come to this table. Another table that was prepared for us by the Lord Jesus himself. Right, he gave his life so that we could come here, we could receive provision, we could receive healing, we could receive his presence washing over us. It strikes me this morning, if you've never, ever accepted Jesus' invitation to sit at his table and look in his eyes, maybe you need to try that this morning. It's super simple. Just gotta say, yeah, Jesus, I wanna sit at this table. I wanna, I wanna understand what this is all about. But this morning, we get a chance to come as a group and feed on Jesus. Take him in. Receive his shalom his wholeness, his fullness, so that we can take this Thanksgiving offering and offer it as Jesus to the world. You with me? All right, let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the way you modeled bringing the kingdom of God on that mountain 2,000 years ago. Thank you so much for your compassion for your people, for your great desire to feed us, to heal us, and to be with us. Lord, this morning as we come to your table, we pray that you would meet us here, that you would fill our hungry spots with you. In your name we pray, amen.